From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we, uh, we're about to celebrate our 24th anniversary on the air, or the start of our 24th year, so appreciate all of you who have joined us along the way, especially you, the listeners, and uh, our great underwriters, and uh, the wonderful guests that we have had. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, and we are glad to welcome in uh, Keith Martin, a principal at St. John Notre Dame School in Folsom. Uh, Keith, good day to you. Hey, good day, Bob. How are you? Very good. I'm usually in the principal's office early in the morning, not after school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, a lot of people have, have, have had that experience. I know I have. <laughs> I, I, I certainly did. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting. In, in high school, it, it was detention. And I remember that's, that's how I met someone who later became, she was, he was a student teacher at the time. He was sort of supervising the study hall for detention, you know, and, and uh, became a teacher and taught my kids, taught my grandkids, you know, and we became very good friends. But uh, <laughs> we had uh, uh, an odd meeting. So. Well, you know, you know, God calls on uh, whoever he desires whether they are in the principal's office uh, or in the dean's office. Indeed, indeed. Well, appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Uh, first off, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, uh, whether in education or someplace else. Of course. Uh, yeah, this is my 22nd year in Catholic schools. Wow. Um, I've been blessed to serve three different dioceses, the Archdiocese of San Francisco, the Diocese of Oakland, and now these last nine years in the Diocese of Sacramento, uh, I've also um, served the Lasallian Christian Brothers over in, in Berkeley mm-hmm. for a short stint as well, too. So I've worked in Catholic schools, uh, every every grade from the littles all the way up. And I also um, have the privilege of working with the University of Notre Dame's um, McGrath Institute of Church Life, where I facilitate courses for their graduate students online. Right. That has been a that has been a, a, a real reward um, to and. Uh, Let's my appetite, so to speak, uh, intellectually with all those theology students. So how does that, that, how does that work? What Tell us a little bit about the Institute. Yeah, so McGrath has a, a, quite a few initiatives, but the one that I was involved with is what they call Step ND, and it's essentially certificate-seeking programs. And uh, initially I was working with uh, teachers and superintendents and principals that are relatively new they were Catholic, but relatively new to Catholic schools and Catholic education, so they needed, if you will, an inoculation of, of all things Catholic schools and a refresher of the faith. Um, and so the course is called uh, Foundations for, for Catholic School Teachers, and I did that for about five or six years. Now it's just a foundations course, mm-hmm. and, the vast, and the vast majority of the participants um, are theological and, and philosophy students, and um, boy, the conversations we're getting into about creation and, and redemption and um, a deeper look into the into the gospels. It's it's pretty fantastic stuff. Wow! You know, I was just I was just having the, this discussion with my son, who's a senior in high school, and and uh, is kind of into the cosmos. I go, which I guess a lot of us are, you know. And and I said, you know, we're we're discovering uh, through this, uh, you know, the, the the new telescope out there vast new worlds uh, I, that we only imagined might exist, and now we're actually seeing them, and there's more and more and more and more matter out there. And I'm beginning to wonder if these scientists are going to start reevaluating a lot of their theories uh, that maybe presumed a little bit less matter in the universe. <laughs> yeah. You know, the essential piece is to never forget that God is the primary cause, Right. Right. That, that he, he willed, well, actually, first he loved, and then he willed creation out of love. And and once you start with that beautiful truth, then when you, whether you're studying metaphysics or, or, or physical sciences, uh, all things will, will lead to him. And uh, studying Amen. the different languages, yeah, studying all the different languages of the Lord, whether it's mathematics or science or philosophy, you know, ultimately, um, they're, they're just, they're all revelations of the same truth. And uh, the sooner that we... Uh, Surrender that to that truth, boy. Then we're truly free to really learn. Yeah, you know, I have I have no no fear of science uh, and discovery at all. 
because uh, at least the scientists I know, and I think it's true of most of them, is they're seekers of truth. They are, they're just trying their darndest to understand the world, whether it's in, in you know, uh, uh, astronomy or medicine or anything else. Sometimes uh, we may take a scientific discovery and do something wrong with it, uh, you know, something that doesn't serve the common good or doesn't serve God. But in terms of actual scientific discovery, you're right. It's all going to – I think that James Webb, if not the James Webb, something else one day, it's going to go further right. and further and further out pretty soon. It's going to see God sitting on a planet smiling at us, you know, <laughs> like, you found me. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you know, just a, just a few things on that. You know, God didn't need to create anything, right? right. He was a, right. a perfect trinity of love, and, you know, out of that love we, we came, and, and, and what, a, what a gift, and, and we should be uh, thankful and, and, and humble uh, about that. Um, and it, it's just fun to study, and, of course, when you're working with anyone that's associated with the University of Notre Dame, it's always fantastic and mm-hmm. top-notch. And, yeah, it's been exciting. It's, it's it's a it's, it's a nice challenge uh, for an elementary school principal. To, um, you know, we're a lot of the times we're plant maintenance, and that's how I spend my day. What's going on with the plumbing or the roofing or sure. <laughs> you know? Uh, and so it's nice to be back in that teacher role, uh, working with students. So, have you been uh, back to the Golden Dome, seen touch on Jesus, and? Yes, yeah, I've been back a few times. I'm actually heading there uh, this Sunday for the Alliance of Catholic Education's first ever. Uh, Catholic Schools Sustainability Conference, and uh, I'm one of about a handful of principals from this diocese that are going in to uh, participate in it, so I'm very excited now. I'd be even more excited if my wife would have let me gone one day earlier. I was going to say, one day out. earlier. Yeah, one day, one day. Maybe uh, you could wife. get on the, the Cal Charter. Oh, there you go. You know, sneak onto the charter, maybe as a, a server or something, you know, the guy that polishes <laughs> the helmets or whatever, and uh, go with the Golden Bears. Yeah, well, let me tell you, if there's one thing I'm good at is uh, sneaking my way into places so I can get a proper <laughs> seat. So, so, yeah, although all of us filmers are, uh, we're struggling at the moment with this football season, a lot of depression well, amongst the Irish nation. I understand that Marcus Freeman, the new head coach, just converted to Catholicism. You know, he is just a quality human being. Yep. Uh, a great father, a great husband, uh, an amazing teacher. Um, you know, God God gives that university time and time again, and he is, you know, regardless of if, if, when he, I mean, well, let's be honest, we need him to win on the football field. <laughs> but uh, regardless of that, he is a quality human being to be spending time with those young men. And uh, talk about forming disciples uh, through sport, he's surely going to do that. Yeah, you know, uh, a, a number of years ago, about 15 years ago, I was working for a serious satellite radio out of New York on the Catholic Channel, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a contest to, uh, uh, I can't remember what question you had to answer. Maybe it's just we drew the name out of the hat. And, and I got to accompany the two winners to a Notre Dame game. Oh, wow. And, and, of course, we went back three or four days early and did all our shows. And they set up a radio studio in the press box. And, and we were bringing on professors. And, you know, it wasn't a sports show. It was just a, a general talk show. It was color-driven. And... and uh, um, but issues of the day, topics of the day. And so we're back there at Notre Dame, uh, my producer and I, and, and one day we, we got uh, a Reverend, uh, um, J- was it uh, Jenkins? Yeah, John Jenkins. John Jenkins, uh, the president of uh, Notre Dame. And he comes, comes into our little makeshift studio in the press box. I think it was Thursday or Friday before the game. And uh, yes, radio. Uh, you you don't dress up to be on the radio. You just you're just right. very casual. And I had it was chilly that morning, and I had thrown on a sweatshirt that I grabbed out of the closet as I was leaving. Something I got from Goodwill, and it was Texas Longhorns. Oh no! And I'm wow. wearing this thing, and he comes in, and we have the interview. And at the end of it, he says, "We got to do something about that sweatshirt," and and so. <laughs> The next day, I'm at a, a booster breakfast. We're doing our show from the breakfast with Coach Kelly, and you know his parents were there, and all these super boosters, and doing our show from there. And a guy comes up to me with his big bag, and it wasn't Jenkins, but it was one of his aides. 
And he says, are you that radio guy? <laughs> kind of like that. And I said, yeah. And he said, this is for you. And inside it was an extra large, the right size, Notre Dame sweatshirt, which I That's wear right. to this day with pride. Well, um, that is a fantastic story. Yes, it's rare to see anyone walking around that campus not wearing oh, yeah. uh, uh, Notre Dame apparel. I know I will be in plenty of it from head to toe Sunday through Tuesday at the conference. Yeah, I'll, I'll bet. And, and then... You know, it comes game day, and we weren't broadcasting, so I got to just, you know, sit in the press box and watch the game. Mm-hmm. The elevator opens. You know, the press box is about six stories high. And, That's right. And the elevator opens, and there, standing there, not Jesus Christ, but Joe Montana. Well, And I'm thinking, I'm just getting the full ride today. <laughs> Now, that would be exciting. Uh, I, I don't know, Bob, if you're a 49ers fan, but I am. So I get the double whammy with, yeah, well, with Joe Montana. You know, it's like I, I said, no, just be cool. Be cool. Get in the <laughs> elevator. Don't don't say I know who you are because he probably already knows who he is, you know. <laughs> and then we ride the uh, elevator up, and, and you know, I don't bring up, uh, you know, the great comeback in the bowl game. I don't bring up the 49ers, the Super Bowl, Joe, you know, Bill Walsh. I don't bring up any of it. And then I go stand in line. They had their own little concessions up in the in the press box, but it was free, which was great. And I'm standing in line to get a hot dog, and I'm standing behind a guy, and I go, man, this guy looks familiar. And it's Jerry Faust. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and <laughs> somebody that I really admired as a good human being. You know, he, yeah, he, was. he struggled at Notre Dame, but he, he was a good man and and an educator from, from Moeller in Cincinnati. And... We chatted, and he gave me his phone number and said, I'd love to be on your show. And we just, it was just so genial and kind. And I thought, that's nice that he still had Notre Dame in his heart, you know, after what, what had happened, you know. Oh, yeah. Now, once, uh, once you get a taste of the uh, Golden Dome and Touchdown Jesus and the Grotto and the Basilica, you, uh, you, uh, you, you can't turn, no matter what happens, your heart will always be. Yep. Yeah, yeah, uh, Notre Dame. Well, that grotto, I got out to it on a Sunday morning, and oh my god, or a Saturday morning before the game, and oh my, uh, I, I don't, I don't know how anybody can stay away from that grotto. <laughs> no, it's a good place to give it all to God. There, I try to go there uh, at, at least a month before the start of the school year, and I, I give it all to God at the grotto and just ask for a blessed year. It's safe these days. Yeah. So, did, did you go to Notre Dame? I did. I yeah. did. I, uh, I had my master's in um, educational administration from Notre Dame. Very good. Three and years there. And so you refused to take any job in this diocese except at a school with Notre Dame in it. <laughs> that was a, a happy accident, Bob. <laughs> I was moving here from San Francisco, and my wife and I settled on the uh, El Dorado Hills, and there are only two schools up here. And yeah. I wrote both and uh, landed a job in Folsom first, and nine years later uh, I had the privilege of being an administrator there. And, Seen our school grown to the heights it has. Uh, we're over 370 students, over wow. 60 faculty, um, and a school that is uh, growing, thriving, and authentic. Um, we are completely focused on, on making disciples and and uh, developing a, a knowing and a loving of Jesus Christ. So, how long have you been principal? This is my sixth year after spending my first year as vice principal. Mm-hmm. 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 Is this this is your first job as principal? Yes, yes. I've been in other administrative roles at the other diocese I worked in, but this was this was the opportunity. You know, I could have. There were opportunities right out the door back in 2014 when I moved here at other schools in Sacramento. Uh, at that time, I didn't want to commute. Uh, my youngest was two and a half, um, and it actually turned out to be a very prudent decision because I had a, I had twins shortly thereafter, <laughs> and uh, my wife is a CPA, financial controller, and very busy. And so, even though. <laughs> Even though I'm in Catholic schools, I do have a little more flexibility. Uh, Daddy daycare a lot of the time. And yeah. Like right, like right now, I'm sitting at my daughter's soccer practice. Oh, that's great. I'm talking to you. Yeah. I, I, I know about that double duty. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great joy. I, I, was, I remember uh, my days as a sports writer, which have been resurrected uh, because of the shrinking of newspapers and, right. and taking my daughter who was a couple months old in a basket to the games to the press box she she grew up in press boxes she kind of thought that 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 people lived in press boxes (laughs) 
No, I mean, that's that's the beautiful thing of vocation, right? Being a husband and a father. Yep. Um, and uh, sacrifice and, and comes with that. But it's, it's all for the good. I bet she has so many memories, uh, oh, yeah. positive memories to travel with you. And hopefully my kids will... We'll look back on this time uh, being shuttled around from dad from event to event the same way. No, I think it. You know, it's 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 really good for, because it's 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 great bonding time, but it's also a time where they see that you have a job. They see that that's part of how the the world works. You know, and being able to take them. I remember they used to have. Oh, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, something called "Take Your Daughter to Work Day" or something like that. You know, and and. Uh, everybody thought it was really special. Now it's real common, you know, but it was like one designated day. And, and I know it, it, it really bonded me with, with my kids. Uh, there's, there's just no question about it. So Yeah, there, there is something really sacred, uh, loading my kids up every morning and taking them to school with me and mm-hmm. seeing them on the playground. You know, it's, um, I was nervous about it at first when, I was, uh, when my children were younger and enrolling them in the school, you know, just in, what pressures come with that. I had no experience around that, but the community at St. John Notre Dame has uh, welcomed me as uh, administ- teacher, administrator, and father, and, 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 and I'm able to separate those, which is really refreshing. So have you, obviously, uh, you know, our Catholic schools were sort of famous for, for closing down on Friday the 13th of March uh, for COVID and then reopening <laughs> on Monday the 16th. Uh, a little right. bit like what the Mercy Sisters did when they first moved to Sacramento. Uh, have things that you had to institute during COVID, and I, I say that like it's in the past, and hopefully it is uh, for the most part. Do, have, have any of those things remained, or do you, do you go back completely to normal, or some of the things that you instituted turned out to be pretty good things, and you think, oh, these are worth keeping? You know, I think you can find grace in any situation, even a suffering in a pandemic. And, yeah, there were some things that proved themselves to be best practice um, that came out of COVID. I mean, mitigation is a is a tough challenge in a Catholic school. A lot sure. of our buildings are older. Uh, I'm blessed to have technology and the filtration systems in the rooms and new age facts and really great uh, bandwidth and a, an awesome tech-savvy team. So jumping in things like distance learning um, – wasn't wasn't a, wasn't really a challenge in terms of the pedagogical approach. It was just a challenge in terms of um, building relationships and, and unveiling community remotely, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in, and and getting the waiver and getting the children back on campus was was an absolute victory that mm-hmm. follow, you know that following school year and uh, the steps the self the selfless steps that the faculty and staff took. You know, making new learning spaces, being outside, um, the, just all the PPE that was needed, the hundreds and thousands of dollars um, to make sure that the, uh, let the classrooms were electrostatic cleaned. But in terms of best practice, I'll tell you what, uh, using the, the different applications, utilizing Zoom as a, as a, as a tool mm-hmm. for administrators, um, some, some of those online subscriptions that turned out to be really fruitful for enrichment, yeah, I would dare say we will continue to use some of those. Um, and then also the, when it came to dedicating the minutes to those skill subjects, um, you know, allowed us to kind of cut the fat, so to speak, of some of the other electives um, that we no longer need to offer. And so it, it, it's turned out that we've been able to turn around some of those real sufferings and create some real blessings and, again, grow the school because we were open and Folsom was not. Um, and a lot of those families have uh, stayed with us. Many of them have rediscovered the faith or have been uh, evangelized. So that's that's God's work right there. Wow. So if I come over there with my computer, will you show me how to guarantee that both my camera and my voice are on Zoom at the same time? <laughs> I probably could, but I have a better team than me that could definitely show you all the tricks of the trade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every now and then I have a, a Zoom, and, uh, you know, my wife will come home, and she'll say, so how'd the Zoom go? And I'll say, well, uh, you know, I was there, but uh, my camera wasn't on. Everybody else, I could see them. They couldn't see me. Nobody complained, but, you know, it was like, and, I said, uh, and she comes over, and she hits a button or something, and she said, well, you need to do this. Your yeah. camera was actually off. And I said, well, how was I supposed to know that, you know? Well, I know, and... <laughs> And you just you just do the best you can. Um, you know, I, I was in a Zoom with hundreds of teachers and administrators. You know, at the start of the COVID, as we're all trying to learn, 
what to do and what not to do. What is the state asking of us? What is OSHA asking of us? Uh, what's the children of different counties? And, you know, it's, you know it, everybody's figuring it out on the fly. But, um, yeah, I would like to think that uh, I'm relatively tech savvy. My teachers, are, when they listen to this, will probably laugh a little bit and chuckle because I'm an older guy now on campus, and I have, uh, I have some young ones that can do just about anything. Yeah, it's you know when I was growing up, uh, Zoom was breakfast cereal. <laughs> you mixed it with hot water. It's kind of like oatmeal. You know, it's called Zoom. So yeah, that's that's a little bit for my time. But I, <laughs> we did have cream of wheat. That was pretty there, popular. Yeah, there's the some 80s, people out so. there going, Bob, remember Zoom? Oh, that's Fred, right. get in here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell us about tell us about St. John Notre Dame. You know, it's a, it's a fantastic school in Folsom. Uh, you know, our roots in the parish at St. John, the Baptist Parish, go back to 1857 in the gold rush. The latter half of the gold rush, the Irish came to build the railroads. Uh, the Sisters of Notre Dame came um, from, you know, from France to uh, rural no- Northern California and then eventually were invited to Folsom in 1962 when they built the convent and opened Notre Dame School. And uh, they lived a very simple charism to teach the children what they needed for life. And um, and their foundress, Julie Billiard, uh, you know, who had just proclaimed the goodness of the good God. And they, that's been embedded, and we've been spending now this last year really, revis- really revisiting St. Julie and her sister's charism, making that the glue of our Catholic identity. But we celebrate 60 years this year, which is wow. fantastic. 60 years in Folsom, 60 years of Catholic education. We just had an event to honor those families. We call them founding families of Notre Dame School. So all those... All those graduates of that first of that first class, their, their parents that are still with us. I mean, Bob, this is, these people have plots in the old historic yeah. church's cemetery, right? Yeah. So this is how far back their families go in Folsom. But to but to honor them for their sacrifices that have laid the foundation for a very thriving Catholic school today, um, and so we couldn't be we couldn't be more proud, if I can use that word liberally. Um, and but we're excited about what the future holds as we unveil a very healthy STEM culture, um, a very 21st century culture in terms of our robotics and our coding, our engineering, but also as we uh, really focus on our three pillars of academics, worship, and service. So we mm-hmm. want to be joyful and authentic to the faith, and we want the kids to be challenged in all facets of, uh, of the curricula. So how uh, the... Uh, uh Community service, how does that work? How did it work during COVID? Oh, well, service itself was a challenge. Now, charity, not so much. We uh, we have a great partnership with Friendship Park, with Loaves mm. and Fishes. At Loaves so and Fishes, students, yeah. Yeah, our students have spent many, many of uh, years going there and serving the poor. Once a month, we collect food for Friendship Park, and our families go and serve. Mm-hmm. So we made, it, we made that the, the cause. Right, we can't go and serve, so we are going to make sure that they have what they need. And so it was, it was quite the bounty, and we have continued that tradition. But now we're lucky to be able to send our middle school students back, not only to Lowe's and Fishes to serve at Friendship Park to serve, but also to the Sacramento Food Bank to be of service there. Well, and so they, and they, they need people. That's for sure. Yeah, well, that was that was made abundantly clear. They're like, oh yeah, send the kids, and so we're going to go, and their parents go with them, and um, you know. It's, it's, we have to be intentional, uh, intentional about um, allowing our, ch- our students to experience service, right? Because right. they're going to create, they're, they're going to create so much good and experience so much good out of it. Um, but they don't know it unless, unless they're uh, given, given the opportunity to do so. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a really rewarding uh, experience in the past, and we're looking forward to our partnerships with those organizations in Sacramento to come. Very good. Last question: Do they still drive cattle through the streets of Folsom? <laughs> you know, I have to tell you, coming from San Francisco, Folsom is still pretty rural to me. <laughs> uh, um, but no, no cattle. But there are chickens and roosters, and sometimes if you're closer to the zoo, um, you can see the peacocks roaming around. With Pe- peacocks, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I, I thought I, that uh, I know they still have the Folsom Rodeo, and I thought they opened it with a cattle drive, but I could be wrong. Well, they probably do. I've only been to the rodeo one time, uh-huh. and once I saw those young people being kicked off those bulls, and then oh, I know. <laughs> I said, "This city boy went right in the other direction." Uh, <laughs> that is not that is not for me. But the but the community loves their rodeo. They love that day. Yeah, uh, indeed, indeed. Well, 
Uh, I got to get out there one day. I'll, I'll probably come at lunchtime. And, there you go. And meet everybody out there. But uh, it's just a, a honor to be talking with you, Keith. And uh, I hope our paths cross again very soon. Right. I hope so, too, Robin. Pray for us. Huh? We have a lot of families that are affected by the mosquito fire that live a little bit further up in the Yeah, football. the mosquito fire yeah. just won't calm down, will it? No, and the, and the air quality index has been a real challenge for for the schools uh, up here. I mean, Folsom, Colorado Hills, and then across over to the Gady side as well. So prayers for those families. Absolutely. Uh, may God may God deliver them from any from any danger. And uh, I really appreciate the time with you. Yeah, have a great trip back to South Bend. And yeah. Go Irish, win a football game. Go Irish, win a football <laughs> game is right. And we apologize to all the Cal fans listening. So. Oh, well, I don't have anything for them. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Keith. God bless. Uh, God bless you. Yeah, thanks so much. That's uh, Keith Martin, who is the uh, principal at St. John Notre Dame. Just another one of those people just who are so lucky to have. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. This is James McCormick, President and CEO of the Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, James, for that wonderful introduction and for all you and the Choral Society and Orchestra do in our great city of Sacramento. We are pleased to welcome in uh, Tony Reel, who is the Executive Director of the Catholic Foundation here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Pull that microphone a little closer there, Tony. You got it. There you go. Good to see you, as always. Nice to see you, Bob. Yeah, a lot a lot happening in your world, I imagine. It's uh, been pretty busy lately, yeah. Um, there's no shortage of... Uh, um, events that take place, especially, again, the, the wildfires sparking up again always cause a, a surge of uh, donations and, and yeah. assistance that's needed out in the community. So that's uh, certainly at the top of our list. Explain, and, and I know I, we made an announcement a week or two ago, but explain how people can donate. There are several ways they can donate and, and really earmark where they, they, where, where they want that donation to go. True. If you go to our website, the uh, Catholic Foundation, which is, uh, you can get to it through the diocese website. Um, we have online donations, and you can go in and choose wildfire assistance and uh, choose, you know, select whatever amount of money you would like to, uh, to donate. And that goes 100% goes directly out to the, to the victims that need assistance. How does it go out to them? Is there a, like a, an intermediary there, like Catholic Charities or Red Cross? or? Yeah, certainly. It all goes and flows through Catholic Charities, uh -huh. uh, coupled with St. Vincent de Paul, typically. Mm -hmm. And they are uh, fantastic at getting out immediately and uh, being first on scene to, to try so, and offer assistance. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Remember, uh, I remember talking to uh, people in, in uh, civil defense or something at, uh, in New Orleans after mm. Katrina. Right. And they said they, it wasn't a Catholic organization I was talking to. I was talking to like officialdom. And, and they said without the Catholic Church, without St. Vincent de Paul, Knights of Columbus, uh, Catholic Charities, uh, you know, nationwide, uh, Catholic Relief Service, on and on and on and on. Right. We could, and, and just the volunteers that descended, just right. the man hours, uh, person hours. Right. Uh, that 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 it made all the difference in the world. Yeah, and 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 they are typically the fastest to respond. Sure. I mean, they can mobilize quickly right. and get on scene and into the communities where they need to be. I've heard nothing but good things about what the, the role of the various organizations in the Paradise Fire, which we're right now three or four years right, removed right. from. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're an absolutely amazing group of people, no yeah. question. Great. And if somebody wants to write a check, they mail it to 2110 Broadway and— in care of the Catholic Foundation, and mm -hmm. we and earmark it as wildfire assistance. We know to put it into that fund. Very good. Um, and yeah, absolutely, all the money goes directly to the uh, to the victims. Very good. Explain yeah. a little bit 
what the Catholic Foundation does. So we are here uh, really as a support mechanism for all of the parishes. Um, so if they, um, for instance, want to run a capital campaign, uh, typically we will help them um, get that rolling, get them uh, connected with a f- company if they want. If it's a large campaign, a company that will help run that campaign mm-hmm. for them. Um, and, t- and typically the funds from a capital campaign will flow back to the foundation for us to uh, invest and keep safe um, I- until they need it. So right. um, we will disperse it back to them as needed. So your background is is in what? So I, I was with in uh, the high-tech industry uh-huh. um, for 27 years um, selling office technology. Um, and uh, we, I uh, helped run the company and uh, semi-retired and then came here to the foundation to uh, to try and offer uh, whatever skills I might have to uh, help raise money and, and uh, help Catholic charities and all the other uh, groups do their business. So what's been your biggest challenge during the pandemic? Uh, being remote initially, because when I first started, it was right in the middle of uh, uh, 2020. And so there were no people in mass. Uh, there were uh, Everything was closed down. We couldn't have meetings. So it was a little bit of a challenge uh, yeah. getting the word out and um, continuing the annual Catholic appeal that we run. But oh, and appeal set records, isn't it? Appeal set records. Yeah. I mean, people's generosity is is uh, is amazing and never ceases to amaze me. So yeah, and and ever since then we've never looked back. And the appeal keeps getting stronger and stronger. And it, it'll come around uh, what February again? Well, we're still involved and, and uh, pushing <laughs> hard on uh, 2022's appeal. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'm on site with the bishop tomorrow to film the video uh, for the 2023 appeal. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, it, it never ceases. Very good. Yeah. And we were gonna we invited you over to talk about the Red Mass coming up. Yeah, one of our uh, events that is really that I'm looking forward to. Um, it's been canceled for the last two years because of COVID. We missed two in a row. Already. We missed two in a row. Um, um, I know we've been a while. Yeah, yeah. And so we're excited to get it back on track. It's November second. A little bit later than usual. A little bit later, um, just due to schedules mm-hmm. and of all the parties that are involved. Um, but the bishop will preside at the mass at the cathedral right. on November second, and then it's preceded by a uh, dinner at the Sutter Club with an awards ceremony to present the St. Thomas More Followed Award. By. Followed by, by yeah. sorry. <laughs> I guess proceed would be a little, yeah. Little Followed early. by. Followed by dinner. Yeah. Uh, um, mass is what, 5 p.m.? 5.15 at the cathedral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this year's recipient is uh, Judge Stephen Basha out From of Yolo uh, County, Yolo County yeah. Superior Court. Very he, highly respected. Very much so, and just a, an incredibly nice man. I've had the pleasure of speaking to him many times and in, in trying to get uh, this mass prepared. And, you know, he was supposed to receive the award last year, and right. we were on track to do it and then had to cancel last minute because COVID resurged. So it was, um, it's been a long-awaited uh, um process for him and and so i'm excited to Does finally he get, get the, the award, award with interest now i think so yeah. yes yeah very small amount <laughs> very of interest <laughs> about what you make at a bank now yeah, yeah. right yeah. yeah so yeah he's a, a wonderful guy and uh Explain what sort of criteria are involved in selecting the, the Thomas More Award winner. So we have a, a Red Mass committee, mostly made up of, of lawyers and judges throughout the community. And um, different parishes will actually submit um, candidates for the award. And they'll uh, have, you know, send in a written statement kind of describing why they think this person should be, uh, should be considered. And so um, they go through, and, and last year it, it was, uh, of course, Judge Basha. Um, the award is based on, uh, the, you know, someone who shows that um, they have an integrity in the, in the practice of law, that um, they also you know, have leadership within the community and faithfulness to the gospel values. So as they uh, practice their law, whether they're a judge or an attorney, um, that they, you know, keep all three of those things in mind and, and uh, as they, you know, practice their, their legal um, career. So, Yeah, I've been to a number of the, uh, the dinners, and every time they're introducing the, uh, the award winner, 
Um, I, I feel like they're reading in the biography of a saint. It's just it's <laughs> mind-boggling. It is uh, all yeah. the different things they're involved in. Yeah, and and you know these are very busy people uh, anyway. Yeah, and but yet they find time to uh, do amazing things within their communities. For instance, Judge Basha, I know, in, especially uh, you know he retired officially in 2018, but he still serves as a visiting judge, sure. and, and he he really focuses on youth. And so he's, aside from working with juveniles in his courtrooms, he is very active uh, helping all kinds of causes that affect youths in, in his community. Yeah. How can people, uh, the, the Red Mass is free, all masses are free, um, and everybody's invited, all, and you'll see, uh, you're likely to see some big names at Mass occasionally. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, yeah. because it's it's for legislators and, and lawyers around, judges, right, and right. uh um, frequently, uh, uh, probably the the one mass all year where the largest number of non-Catholics are attending mass. It's true, and yeah. it and it happens to fall on All Souls Day this year. Oh, that's right. Um, so, um, so I think we might have a bigger crowd than normal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at the cathedral at five fifteen. How can people get dick, uh, dinner dinner tickets? Yeah. So again, they can go to our website um, at, for the Catholic Foundation, and uh, there's a. A big tab for the Red Mass there. Um, you can purchase dinner tickets, and you can also, if you're a, a law firm or anybody that wants to be a sponsor for the event, you can also uh, find out about sponsorships there. Added bonus, if you've never been in the Sutter Club, you get to be in the Sutter Club. It's very nice, it's and they do nice a wonderful place. job with the dinner. Um, it's a fun event. Um, they keep it very uh, very light and very lively. Jim the Honorable Jim Mize is going to be our uh, Master of Ceremonies this year, and, and uh, he's, a, he's a funny man. And well, a, we've and had him on the program. Yeah, he's, he's a character. Yeah. Yeah. And another great guy who does yeah. so much for his community. Um, so, yeah, it, and, and the fact that it falls on All Souls Day is kind of representative of the Red Mass because they do um, a special remembrance for the attorneys and judges and, right. and legislators that have passed away over the last year. Now we, well, we may have to cover three years since it's been three years. Um, in fact, we lost two recipients, mm. previous recipients of the St. Thomas More Award in the last couple. Joe Simkowick, oh, right. who was a, uh, a 2010 recipient, and then uh, Judge Michael Verga also was a 2007 recipient. Yeah. So well, we, had, we had Joe on the program many times when he was yeah. with uh, Catholic Relief um, in this area, yeah, uh, Deacon yeah. Joe. Yeah. yeah, another wonderful person oh, yeah. and, and yeah. great guy. In fact, uh, my first job um, when I was between semesters at, at college, I worked for Joe Simkowick oh, down you? at the state. Yeah, so um, we go way back just by pure coincidence. Yeah, that's uh, right. He was an attorney at, at the state level for, correct, for, for correct. quite a while. Yeah. And, then, and I think he retired and then took this position with Catholic Relief. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. where'd you go to college? I went to the University of San Francisco. Oh, a good, good, uh, <laughs> good Jesuit school. There we go. Yeah. yeah I was. I was. Uh, uh, I do some sports writing, and I was looking through the uh, the long ago history of UC Davis football, and they started in 1915. Hmm. And that year, they it says they played Saint Ignatius, and then parentheses behind it, it says USF. Wow! I think wow. it was actually Saint Ignatius High School that they played. <laughs> it may have been because yeah. <laughs> yeah, back in those days, you when football's uh, <laughs> just starting, some people are playing rugby, some people right, don't right. have a team, and. You're playing, uh, uh, well, they didn't have Air Force bases then, but you might be playing a Marine Depot or a, right. you know, an Army team. or uh, yeah, The rules were a little the, looser yeah. back then. Stanford yeah. Frosh. <laughs> exactly. Know, yeah. Yeah. So, now, USF has a great history of, of sports, especially basketball oh in the 60s, 70s, into the, I guess, the late well, 70s. 55 and 56, they won the national championship right, both right. times under Bill Russell. Right, exactly. With Bill Russell. Is right. the, yeah. I, I was reading his some of his stats when he died, and my goodness, it was rebound stats were just so amazing. amazing. I, Absolutely. I was like, yeah. It was like, like he was averaging like 24 rebounds a game, and I'm going, that's just – that that's kind of like the top one in this single season. Oh, when, absolutely! Yeah. And he was averaging it. They're just yeah. mind-boggling. And then uh, uh, the 1951 football team had nine guys drafted into the NFL. Wow! And uh, you know Bob St. Clair and, and some right, of the right. uh, Ollie Matson, some of those big names hmm. uh, went on to star in the NFL. But that team was undefeated and got invited to the Orange Bowl. And had a chance to play for the, you know, they didn't have a official national sure, championship. Sure. It was just a poll. But if they had won that game, there's a good chance they would have won the national championship. Wow. 
and they had several black players on the team, and they were told that they could play in the game, but they couldn't stay in the team hotel. Oh, my gosh. And Bob St. Clair got up on a bench in the locker room and said, are we going or are we not going? <laughs> and they voted not to go. Wow. They gave it all That's amazing. Up. That's good. It's in incredible. 1951. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. It's a, it's a remarkable story. And, wow. of course, they didn't play football a long time after right. that. Uh, yeah. They and St. Mary's and Santa Clara all dropped down to Division Two for a while, and then just all of them eventually um, gave it up. Just It was just too expensive. But they were all bowl teams. They were all big time. Right. Bowl. They weren't yeah. quite the equal of a Notre Dame. But True. They, they were certainly uh, they were on the coast. They were they were very good teams. Yeah, and and real and back to basketball too. They had you know aside from Bill Russell, they had Casey Jones, Casey Jones, uh, Bill Cartwright. Yep. So they had some legends of the NBA go through there. So I uh, yeah, uh, Bill Cartwright out of Elk Grove High School right, right there in the right. diocese of Sacramento. Yeah, I remember watching him when he was in high school. I was at Davis High School. I I was older than than Bill was, but but going down there to watch him play. And then uh, two years ago, UC Davis played at USF in basketball, mm-hmm. and I went down to cover that game, and there was Bill. Yeah. <laughs> and I got a picture with him, and just, just the nicest guy in the world. He, he you know, really but, is, But yeah. still connected to his alma mater. Yeah. yeah, yeah. no, he works for the athletic department, mm-hmm. and a group of uh, people, uh, guys that I graduated with from USF, we try to go back to the uh, NC2As in, yeah. in Las Vegas every year to watch USF play, and well, Bill, you know, Bill's always there, and... Well, it's interesting because uh, I covered the the Big West championships, which were in well, they were in Henderson, mm-hmm. right near uh, in, in the new Dollar One Arena or something like that. And uh, Bill Cartwright was there doing Big West is UC Davis and Long Beach State and uh, Fullerton, Irvine. Uh, right. It's kind of a mid major, if you will. And uh, Bill was there doing color for somebody. I hmm. think I think maybe ESPN or, oh, wow. or okay. and Bill was doing color there. So yeah. I can't I can't escape him. No, he, yeah. <laughs> and he's hard to miss. He's hard to miss. <laughs> yes, but is. just the, the just the nicest guy in the world. He really is. Yeah. 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 So it's that's great. The Hilltop Campus. The Hilltop. Very, yeah. It's uh, they've done a, made a lot of changes since I was there. Yeah. But it's a beautiful place to to go to school. It really oh, is. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Just that name, San Francisco. Everybody loves San Francisco too. Yeah. Yeah. And that particular that area the lone, with Lone Mountain Campus. I mean, yep. there's some incredible views from up top Lone Mountain, yep. and yeah, it's it's a it was a fun time. Yeah, very good. Uh, well, Tony, anything I didn't ask you, you wanted to add here? Uh, no, I think we covered it. it. It's you know, tickets are going fast. We've actually got a pretty good size uh, uh, group of people signed up for the dinner already. Um, so I would just say, if you're interested, go online and purchase tickets while uh, while they're still there. You'll have a you'll have a wonderful evening. You'll also have a great meal. True. Uh, the Sutter Club, absolutely, <laughs> sort absolutely. of top notch. It's yeah. like it's like going to a private steakhouse or something. You know, it's it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a very nice place. It's yeah. a very nice place, and uh, I guess it's still a, what you would describe it as a private club. It is, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And uh, um, in the I guess in the old days was a very exclusive, uh, more, more common, but a very a very exclusive uh, club at the time. Absolutely. And, yeah. Once, once in a while, I get invited to go in there. Me too. <laughs> my, every every my, so often, my yeah. wife would say, do, do, you, "Do you have a coat? Do you have a tie?" <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, and 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 then the the, the uh, cere- ceremony, uh, the, the 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 program itself is really inspiring. It is. It is. Yeah. You know, a lot of good people and uh, getting recognized for doing the good things that they're out there. You know, and and. In this this day and age, it's nice to recognize people doing good things out there. Still, you know, you hear about so many of the awful things that are going on, but yep. still, a lot of people out there really going above and beyond. Yep. And uh, so, it's nice to call attention to that. Indeed. Well, Tony, thanks for all you do. And uh, you're welcome. And thank you for having us. We'll look to uh, forward to our paths crossing again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Bob. Hey, thanks so much. We'll take a uh, quick break here. We'll be back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. 
They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrusites. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. This is Yasmin Castellanos from the Catholic School Department, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Yasmin, for the wonderful introduction and for all the great work you do here in the Diocese of Sacramento. We should uh, we should tell you that Ministry Days is right around the corner, uh, Friday, twenty uh, third. Uh, primarily for school teachers, uh, Catholic school teachers here in the Diocese of Sacramento, and then Saturday the 24th for all the rest of us at St. Francis Catholic High School, 5900 Elvis Avenue, right here in Sacramento. You can go to ministrydays.com to sign up. Ministry Days is the largest gathering of ministers, catechists, and Catholic school teachers in the Diocese of Sacramento. It's an excellent opportunity to network with others. Uh, You know, it's an all-day event. Uh, There are a lot of Great keynotes, a lot of uh, there's Holy Mass, a lot of great uh, workshops. You break out breakout sessions. Uh, lunch is a great time to network with people. Uh, sit at a table with somebody you don't know, and you you're likely to learn something and make a new friend as well. Uh, I've always felt that uh, Ministry Days was just a great exchange of ideas, I guess, about how to best serve the faith, to serve the common good to serve people in our parishes. Um, it's just, it's just a, a wonderful, inspiring, and uh, very educational experience. I know I've, I've been a presenter a couple of times, and, and each time felt like I just learned a tremendous amount from the people in the workshop. The, my workshop and probably a lot of them were, were run kind of open, like, uh, like, like we're all just participating at once, and, uh, and everybody came up with some really great ideas. Among the uh, keynote speakers uh, on uh, our keynote for Friday and Saturday, Father Daniel Williamson, Real Presence, Real Life is his topic. He's a Eucharistic preacher who's traveling the country as part of our Eucharistic revival, uh, and he's sponsored by the USCCB, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Also, Kara Morales uh, will will be here. Uh, Catholic education in 2022, accompanying our students in the chaos of modern times. Kara is a uh, marriage and family therapist. And then Witness to Unity, uh, Father Michael T. Martin, United by Whom? And uh, he will be the Friday keynote. Also, Grammy-nominated Pedro Rubalcava, sponsored by the Oregon Catholic Press. Also, this um, on uh, the 23rd, which is Friday, the uh, Filipino Apostolate of the Catholic Diocese of Sacramento invites everyone to uh, come to the feast day of the uh, celebration of the Filipino saint, St. Lorenzo Ruiz. Uh, the nine-day novena will con- con- concludes, it uh, started on the 14th and concludes on the 22nd at uh, with a rosary at St. Maria Goretti in Elk Grove 
And then uh, on the 23rd at Good Shepherd in Elk Grove, uh, 6 p.m. Mass on Friday with Bishop Soto, and that will be followed by uh, a dinner and music and dancing and, and a, a real celebration. Uh, for more information on it, you can contact uh, Mario, uh, Mario Ruburiano, uh, who is with the Filipino Apostolate of the Catholic Diocese of Sacramento. Mario is at 916-846-0038. Again, at 916-846-0038. And to to sign up for Ministry Days and to learn all about it and learn about some of the workshops and a little more about the keynoters, uh, you can go to ministrydays.com. Well, the the uh, Holy Father came out with a statement about uh, the war in Ukraine. You know, uh, some days we, uh, for a while there, it was front page news. Uh, other days, it's been kicked off the front page by uh, uh, or the nightly news by inflation and all kinds of other things. And uh, uh, we forget maybe at times that this war still rages on. The Holy Father. Uh, uh, recently renewed his appeal for prayers to end the horror of war, praying for all those who are being held prisoner, for the dead, for orphans and refugees. The Pope also called for concrete steps to be taken to end the war and to avert the risk of a nuclear disaster in in one city in southeastern Ukraine and home to the Europe's largest nuclear plant. I know there's a lot of concern about that plant. at the end of the general audience, uh, the, uh, the Pope uh, re- repeated his calls for peace. This is near the end of August, August 24. Recalling the day uh, marked six months since the start of the war, he says, I renew my invitation to implore the Lord for peace for the beloved Ukrainian people who for six months now have been suffering the horror of war. The Pope said he was praying for those who have been imprisoned, particularly those who are in a vulnerable or fragile condition, and he called on authorities to work for their liberation Quote, I think of the children, so many dead and so many refugees, many of whom are here, he said, indicating a number of Ukrainians seated in the Vatican audience hall. So many wounded, so many Ukrainian and Russian children have become orphans. Orphanity has no nationality. Both Russians and Ukrainians have lost a father or mother, he said. The Pope said his mind was also on the amount of cruelty on display and the number of innocent people who are paying for the madness. Quote, the, the, mad, the Pope said the madness uh, is on all sides because war is madness, and nobody who is in a war can say, no, I am not crazy. The madness of war, he said. As an example, the Pope spoke of that poor girl flown into the air because of a bomb under her car seat in Moscow. The innocent pay for war, the innocent. While the Pope did not identify her by name, of course, he was talking about 29-year-old uh, Daria Dugina, who is a, was a Russian young woman, Russian journalist who strongly supported the war. She served as a press secretary for her father, Alexander Dugan. Uh, speaking to those who gathered for his general audience, uh, Pope Francis again criticized all those who profit from wars, including those selling arms, calling them delinquents who murder humanity. The Pope, Pope also asked people to remember all the other wars being waged around the world, such as in Syria and Yemen, where children are suffering from hunger. He also highlighted the plight of the Rohingya people who wander the world because of the injustice of being driven off their land. Quote, but today, in a special way, six months since the start of the war, let us think of Ukraine and Russia, two countries I consecrated to the immaculate heart of Mary, that she, a true mother of these beloved countries, that she looks upon Ukraine and Russia and brings them peace. We need peace. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless.